It's an honor to share with you this morning. Um, as I said, it's been almost two years for me. Um, hasn't been good what the Holy Spirit's been doing the last several weeks. And uh, the fruit of the Spirit's been really good. Um, so we just want to continue on with that today. Um, I, <laughs> not sure how I've, I've got a couple of... Okay, thank you. So I, uh, before I get started, we're going to pray and stuff. I Funny story I want to share with you. Uh, thank you. I like to bring a little bit of everything except the kitchen sink. So. Um, there was a, a problem that I had at work, and I emailed a guy my problem, and he responded back to me, and he said, basically, what version of this do you have installed, and did you pull something from Bitbucket? Bitbucket is like, a, just think of it as it's a place where you can have, there's containers where you, you push code, you pull code, and... Um, so I responded with my phone a little bit later, and sometimes autocorrect is great, <laughs> and sometimes not so great. So I responded on my phone, no problem. Then later on that day, I got on my computer, and to my amazement, this is what I actually said in my, in my uh, note. I said, so instead of Bitbucket, I said pulled from Buttbucket. And then I said, and do regular polls. <laughs> so that's <coughs> a little weird, but <coughs> I guess you do pushes and pulls. But anyway, so um, yeah, that didn't go over so well. Um, so I, so I want to set the mood here real quick. Man, the, the Holy Spirit's been good, and I have a word for Joel and, and Brian as well. That hopefully I'll get to. If not, then I'll email it. But, um, you know, we're, we're not alone here today. Holy Spirit's here. Angels of God are here. I don't know how many we have, maybe hundreds. It's hard for me to, to tell by looking. But if we have a hundred people here, so Psalm 91 says that he will give his angels, plural, charge over you, singular. Amen. That means you possibly have two angels at least with you. That means if there's a hundred people here, there's at least 200 angels here. Not to mention what was going on in worship. Oh, my gosh. You just don't realize if God was to open our eyes right now, you'd be amazed of who's sitting next to you. And I don't mean the, you know, the person in the flesh. So the holy angels are here. And if you have little children, you've got a bonus. <laughs> Matthew 18.10 says that, um, let me get this right, their angels always see the Father's face. And do you know why that is? because they have a hard time keeping up with those little tights. Um, so you, you get bonus angels if you've got little children. Just a, a quick funny story on that. Uh, we were at a friend's house. There's no dangerous toys or anything laying around on the ground. And our one-year-old daughter is sitting there. And the only thing that's around is our chairs and the wall. And so she's facing this way. And suddenly, out of the blue, she just turns around, takes her wet tongue, and sticks it on the electrical outlet that's right there on the wall. And I was like, uh, I mean, how do you plan for that? <laughs> we need the holy angels. Thankfully, she's okay. We're still a little getting over it, but um, <laughs> but anyway, we need those angels, so praise God. Um, so, <clears throat> so the other thing that I want to share, Paul said it wasn't by enticing words of man's wisdom he was with them in meekness or weakness and in fear and in much trembling. 
And uh, so I'm just pushing past some of that right now. But I want to tell you that um, just to be expectant as was prophesied, some of you are going to get healed today without even having hands laid on you. Some of you are going to get filled with the Holy Spirit today and be able to speak in tongues and a breakthrough and nobody's going to have to lay hands on you to do it. I'm, so I'm just declaring those things. Um, and I do have a couple of words of knowledge later, but um, and there's just no limit to what God can do while the preaching of the word. Acts 10, 44, while he was still preaching, the Holy Spirit fell. So the Holy Spirit, we're, he's just going to fall. And he's, he's falling now. The angels are there, healing angels to minister. So... Um, some of you might shake from the presence. Some of you might weep because of his liquid love. Just let Holy Spirit do whatever he wants to do. We're not going to, um, we're not going to, oh, look, look what they're doing, you know. Uh, you just, just allow him to do what he needs to do in you. Amen. So why don't you hold out your hands and let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your angels on assignment here today. Angels of healing. God, angels on assignment to bring messages, whatever they have for us. Lord, we say more. We just say more. I pray, God, today that after today, there would be such an insatiable hunger for the Holy Spirit that we would not be able to sleep at night because we're in tears for how hungry we are for the more of God. I just pray the gift of hunger would be imparted to this whole congregation today and that it would just be like uh, Jeremiah who just uh, it was shut up in his bones and he couldn't stay it. God, there would be that kind of hunger. You would do a fresh hunger in your people that they would cry out to you for breakthrough. And so as their hands on the today, I just say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Just say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Yes, Lord, we thank you. Ah, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the other thing I'll say is um, you're not limited to receive the only things that I've received in the sense of experiences or encounters uh, there's a man named Randy Clark. I think most of you probably know him. A uh, guy came to his healing school, and the first two people that this guy had prayed for were paralyzed, and they were healed from his praying, and they got out of the wheelchair. And Randy said, well, I've never done that before. Uh, he said, I think I gave him too much. <laughs> so, uh, but you see, it's not just, we're just sometimes the conduit. You know, so, so just Holy Spirit have his way. Amen? All right, so... You know, I don't have the clicker thing, is it? So we just go to slide one. and um, All right, so there's several verses here, like um, Pastor Eric said. So let's go to, I guess, Luke chapter 3. Some of these I'm just going to quote. Some of them I'm going to read to you. If you ever intend to lead somebody in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then you might want to write some of these notes down. Um, I always take notes. Uh, it's just a good practice to get into. Uh, I know some of you, though, go by memory and, and so but whatever. But uh, okay, so Luke 3, 21. So what we're going to look at is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at what Jesus taught and what he modeled. Okay, what he taught, what he modeled. So verse 21, it says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So if you go to the next slide. So here we see that Jesus himself didn't begin his public ministry without 
and until he received the Holy Spirit. He didn't do it without or until he received the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and if you wouldn't mind doing the next slide there, sorry. <laughs> um, now Luke 2, 42 to 49, you can just jot that one down. So from at least uh, 12 years of age, he was about his father's business, right? Yeah. That's what that scripture talks about. For the next 18 years, we see no miracles, you know, no, no public ministry of any kind. He had to basically wait. He was growing in intimacy with the Father. So this is a ministry tip. Um, you don't ever have to get ahead of the Lord. He will bring his word to pass. If you are called to something, you just get close to Jesus. And when the time has come, he will send you forth. Because if he doesn't initiate it and birth it, it's going to really stink. Amen. So there's just no way around it. Um, all right, so... All right, Acts 10, 38, you can just jot this one down. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So he was fully God, but he emptied himself of his divinity while he was here on earth, in the sense that, so he became the first begotten of God, and then we would be, he was the firstborn among many brethren, we would be the brethren to follow Jesus said himself, the Son of Man could do nothing of himself. He had limitations. He had angels that had to come minister to him. He had to pray. He had to fast. He had to eat. All right? So God was with him as a man. You don't need this verse if you are God in the flesh, if that makes sense. Right? I mean, if you're God, you don't need God to be with you. And if you're God, you don't need an anointing of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus modeled something for us. All right? If he did miracles walking as God then we have no, there's nothing we can do about that. But if he was doing miracles as a man dependent on God, then you or I without, are without excuse, That's right. That's right. right? So I don't have a right to do only what I'm good at or gifted at and call that ministry. Matthew 10, 8 says, there's something required of me to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. And you may stink at all four of those things, but it doesn't matter because it's not you doing the work anyway. You can't heal a fly. It has to be the Holy Spirit through you. It has to be Jesus touching. So I've tried in two occasions to raise the dead, and both of them failed. But I still have to keep trying. You, you just got to keep going for it. You know, it was Todd White, I think most of us probably know, I think he prayed for... I don't want to get the number wrong, so we'll just keep it low, but it's like 200 people before he saw his first healing. So you just keep going after it. You keep going after it, you know, because the Holy Spirit has been given to us and there's impossibilities that are expected to flow out of us. So um, John 14, 12, you can just jot down greater works than these, Jesus said you will do. So the bottom line is if Jesus himself needed the Holy Spirit, then probably you and I also do too. All right, all right. Uh, slide three, if you would. <clears throat> so the other thing about Jesus, um, as far as what he taught, and let me drink here. Mm. Oh, up the nose. <clears throat> wow, <laughs> wasn't expecting that. <coughs> Wake up call. Um, <clears throat> all right, so Jesus would not let his church go until they receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I realize most of this is basic stuff here, but 
you have to understand, this is, this is a foundation that you have to have. You're not going to be able to convince anybody they need the Holy Spirit if you don't have this stuff in your, you know, somewhere in you. So Luke 20, 24, 49 says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Jesus tells them to wait. These are guys that have been with Jesus for three and a half years. They've cast out demons themselves. They've healed the sick. Um, you know, they, they, they've been around Jesus, but that wasn't enough. They needed something inside them that was permanent because they were operating under his temporary anointing when he sent them. So, um, all right, so let's go to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. Are you tracking with me okay? We're awful, awful quiet there, so. Um, All right, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. And being assembled together with them, commanded that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise which he said you have heard of me. So he said it twice now, Luke 24 and Acts 1. For John truly baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Uh, Okay, so let's skip down to verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. So did you know that that word power is the word dunamis, which is what we get the word dynamite in English from, all right? You'll receive power. It's the same word that is used throughout the New Testament to describe miracles. So if you read several places in the New Testament, and I don't have time to go through them all, but if you just do a simple search on that word, you'll see many times dunamis, this same power is used to represent miracles. So you literally have the miracle working power of God come into you when you receive the Holy Spirit. That's what you receive. Did you know, Romans 8.11 says, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And further did you know that there is no junior Holy Spirit. He's one size, as Bill Johnson says, and it's really large. So that's why a six-year-old can see cancer healed. Because they got the same Holy Spirit as we do. So... Uh, And then let's go to Acts 2. So you're right there. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, so this was 50 days later after the ascension, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here's the fearful disciples, fearful disciples hiding, and suddenly they're transformed, and a 50-day prayer meeting comes into a one-day preach, and 3,000 get saved. I think we need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, Randy Clark, again, he, he had a great quote here. He said, Carlos Anacondia, evangelist in South America, was seeing 80% of his converts remain in church. Uh, as of five years ago in North America, no matter who preached, only 6% who get saved here in, the, in North America um, come to church the next Sunday. 6%, and that's a high number. 1% of those are still in church a year later. So Randy asked, what's the difference? And here's what Carlos said. He says, because you in North America give them enough of the gospel to get them forgiven, but not enough to get them free. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in, folks, to 
do a work in you. It's Holy Ghost and fire where he, he works in you. He, he burns things out of you. He, he puts his finger on this and puts his hand on that. He works in you. He, he wants you to be free so you can give that freedom away. That's, that's what it's all about. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5, you can just jot that down. It wasn't in eloquent words, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's where your faith is to be rooted in. If you're not seeing the power of God regularly, your faith is probably weak. You need to see the experience, the power of God. And by the way, that power is dunamis, which we receive at the Holy Spirit. Pretty cool, huh? All right, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the entry point for living a supernatural lifestyle, not only for overcoming, but releasing power in your life. So uh, if you would, go ahead and go to the next slide. So let's look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the early church. And as we do that, we're going to bust some myths, three of them. There are more. When I did this series, so this is about four weeks worth of work that I've picked pick and chosen different pieces and put into one. So, All right. Um, <clears throat> so myth, so go ahead and go to the next slide, please. So number one, you receive all of the Holy Spirit you need when you're born again. In, in some places they say you actually, that's receiving of the Holy Spirit when you're born again. So <coughs> let's, let's uh, talk about this myth. Let's go to John chapter 20. Just a few pages back from Acts. And verse 19, the latter part of it, they were, the doors were shut. They were in fear. Uh, he says, peace be unto you. And when he said so, he showed the disciples his hands and his side. This is chapter 20, verse 20. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And then Jesus said to them, peace I give unto you as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. So we have the same commission as Jesus. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So you compare this verse with Luke 24, 49 and Acts 1. Here they're receiving the Holy Spirit, but yet he tells them to wait again. If they got all they needed, then why would they have to wait again? There was a separate, distinct experience that the disciples had to go through. I believe what this was is this was their new birth experience. When Jesus breathed on them, they had to be, because everybody has to be born again, right? Even the disciples had to be born again. It wasn't good enough that they had walked with Jesus. And we know this in the church today. There's a lot of people that are do-gooders, but you still have to be born again, right? So um, so this is likely the new birth experience. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit does a work when you're saved. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. There's more. There's always more. All right, um, so let's go to Acts chapter 8. And verse 13. Okay, so we're going to hit, I think this is going to be all of the ones where it talks about the Holy Spirit. But we'll do it, um, some of them I'm going to quote for you. Uh, Acts 8 verse 13. Simon was a sorcerer, so he himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. Philip was the evangelist, wondering and beholding the miracles and signs which were done by him. Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed 
that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet uh, he had fallen upon none of them, verse 16, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were disciples, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. You, You don't do water baptism unless you're born again. And yet the Holy Spirit had fallen upon none of them. So, um, when, uh, so they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Verse 17, and then when Simon saw this, who'd been laying out of hands, he offered them money saying, give me this power also. Now, out of the verses I read, this is really the only one where we don't have proof that they spoke in tongues. And so we're going to focus on this a little bit. But Simon the sorcerer probably saw something where it was a sign to where, whoa, I want what this has. Because people that, it, that come out of the occult and the spiritist world who aren't believers uh, usually have more insight than believers do about the spirit realm. So he was wanting to probably add this trick to his bag of tricks, is my guess. And he wanted the ability to, oh, I wanted to hear that blah, 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 you know, stuff, right? So Peter rebukes him or, and says, no, no, you're, you're looking at this wrong. And, but so... Something happened to where when they received the Holy Spirit, there was something going on, all right? So, but if we were to say, no, we don't know for sure, okay, we'll we'll give that that one, but I believe something was happening there, something peculiar, and it probably wasn't just prophecy, because this guy wouldn't have repented had he not experienced and seen the power of God, because he was doing miracles too. He had to experience greater miracles, right? So, um, all right, so the next one is Acts 9, 17, just jot it down. This is when Saul who later becomes Paul, is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's nothing there that says he spoke in tongues. But we know in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. So at some point, he spoke in tongues, right? So, um, all right, so we're two out of three, not bad. Uh, Acts 10, 44 to 48, just jot it down. Peter's preaching to Gentiles. Don't even know if Gentiles can be saved yet. (coughs) Suddenly the Holy Spirit falls on them and they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Another example of where tongues is a part of the process. So I'm just trying to bust the myth that not only do you not need the separate experience, but that typically speaking, tongues is a part of of the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes. Okay. So then Acts 19, if you would, go ahead and turn to this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip several things here. So he found some disciples, verse 2. He said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So it's possible that you could be a believer and have not received the Holy Spirit. It happened in Acts 8. It happened right here. And he said, what then were you baptized? Or what, no, they said, we've not even heard so much as whether there be any Holy Spirit. That's on us. That's on the church. You know, Philip probably should have been telling them, we have a responsibility to present the whole gospel of God, which includes the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The church was never meant to go out without the Holy Spirit. Uh, You know, I don't know where, well, actually I do, but we don't have time to go through the history of the church, but, you know, just things were dropped, you know. Um, But this is not one that should have been one of them (laughs) because the devil is having a heyday afflicting people and, you know, living a powerless gospel, right? And who wants to go to church for that, right? I mean, I got better things to do on Sunday. I got football and sleeping in. So I need to experience some power. All right. So, and he said, what were you baptized? Okay, we were baptized baptism of John. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were baptized more 
correctly. Right now it's water baptism in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know. And when they heard this, uh, okay, verse 6, and when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Sometimes they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Sometimes they spoke in tongues and magnified God. But most of the time, as we'll see, five out of six now or four out of five, they've spoken with tongues. Um, the other thing, if you go up to the next verse, oh, Acts 4.31, that's where they were refilled. I imagine Eric's going to get to that, so I'm not going to hit that one too much. But uh, if you go to the next verse for me, I think I've got, or the next um, slide, sorry. Yeah. So Acts 19, Pentecost happened in A.D. 30 approximately. Acts 19 happened in A.D. 54. 20 years after the initial experience, he's still asking, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. It's, it was never supposed to stop. <laughs> They're still looking for the evidence of the Holy Spirit in the believers' lives. Now, there's a reason why it's not in the later chapters, because that's not what the focus. It's focused on Paul's life and his missionary journeys. Um, but, yeah, these things have not ceased. All right, let's go to the next slide, uh, slide number seven, myth number two. The baptism of the Holy Spirit in tongues are not for everyone, just like the other gifts. Hmm. So, let's go to Acts 2. Let's see what that has to say about receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, here. <laughs> yeah, you know. Verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you, to your children, and to our all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call question is, how many people is God calling? How do we know this? Answer is 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He wants all, if he's calling everybody to repentance, then that means everybody's available for this gift. And then Mark 16. So, okay, we got that one out of the way. Let's go to Mark 16. Uh, let's see here. I'm not doing so good at turning in this little Bible, but I don't want to haul around that big tank. So, um, Okay, I'm just going to start in verse... And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Verse 15. Uh, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that does not believe shall be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. These signs will follow the believers. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Ah, tongues thing again, darn it. They shall take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Ah, so what about taking up serpents? What does that mean? Well, first, um, just because you haven't experienced a sign or you don't understand a sign doesn't mean that the other signs are thrown away. Okay? Secondly, I think picking up serpents has to do with getting the devil out of the way in a figurative way, not actually picking up snakes, live ones, okay? Not talking about that's that's a false thing where you have, okay? Yeah, <laughs> we don't have them anyway. So um, drink anything deadly? I don't understand that one. Maybe that was more a sign for that time. I don't know. doesn't matter. We're still supposed to see these signs follow us, and all of them are in the list. So we, we take, you know, there's no excuse not to use them. I mean, I can't purposely go and drink something deadly, but you know what I'm saying. So... Um, <clears throat> All right, so here's a little bit of a bunny trail. 
I don't have this all figured out. This is my current understanding of this. You're welcome to disagree with me. <coughs> Go to the next slide. Okay, so <coughs> Galatians 5 says, but the fruit, singular, of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance, self. It doesn't say fruits. It says the fruit of the Holy Spirit is all these things, all these expressions. <coughs> you can't go on the list and say, God, I don't want to do love and long-suffering. <laughs> you get the Holy Spirit in your life, He's going to work all those things in you. You need all of them. Uh-oh. Now we get to the manifestation of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, But the manifestation, singular, is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, blah, 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 blah. So here's my thesis. <laughs> Just in the same way that we get all the fruit by the Holy Spirit living in us, so too we have access to all the gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12 is given to every man. Now you may not use them all at once, right? Just in the same way, if you're at work, you might need love really bad that day. If you're at home, you might need patience. <laughs> Thank you. You might need patience. You got <laughs> Yeah, long-suffering. So you see the point, whatever you need, you can't do it anyway. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Don't try to work it up. Just let it happen. And so it is with the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, this guy has demons. Well, you know what? Ah, sorry, that's not my ministry. I don't have that gift. You've heard that. That's not what Jesus modeled. And that's not who's in you. He's got everything you need. Right? So, um, and Mark 6, I could prove this with other verses. Only, only one I'll share with you today. Mark 16. Okay. Casting out demons. That's a miracle. I could prove that by other scriptures. Uh, see, my name is Kessler. They must speak with new tongues. That's one of the gifts that we listed in 1 Corinthians 12, but that's a sign of a believer. If you can speak in tongues, then God's not going to say, sorry, you can't interpret, so you probably can get interpretation of tongues. That's three of the nine. By the way, those aren't exhaustive lists. Those are just Paul speaking, and you know, there's more things like 1 Peter 1, add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge. You know, so there's other things that we, but these are the highlights. So um, what else? Tongues. Uh, take up serpents, drink anything, lay hands on the sick. So every believer can lay hands on the sick. That's gifts of healing right there. Yep. And we know that First Corinthians 12, those nine expressions aren't the fullness of it because it says gifts of healings, plural and plural. And we've seen this throughout church history where um, the only way I can remember him is his big ears. I can't think of who the guy's name is, but uh, it's a horrible way to remember him. Um, no, not that guy, but he had some good stuff. Smith is another good one. Who's uh, ORU? Oral Roberts. Yeah. His hands would get hot before. So that's a gift, in my opinion. But it's still the Holy Spirit, right? You may not have that gift, but you still have to lay hands on the sick, even if you feel nothing. You don't have an excuse to say, well, that's not my ministry. Well,. You may stink at it, but that doesn't matter. You may be the only salt and light in that particular area. So, um, yeah, all right. Let me give you a little secret here. There was a girl that was on a missions trip here, a young girl. Is she here? Sarah, is she here today? Okay. 
Okay, good, I can talk about her. No. <laughs> so she, um, yeah. <laughs> so Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. He was living in utter dependence on the Holy Spirit because God anointed him with the Holy Spirit to go about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So she was talking about how that she was getting prophetic words and like, Lord, if you don't show up, I'm toast. Well, guess what? We all, it's that way, no matter how good you're at doing it, you, it's, you're still toast if he doesn't show up. You may have operated 20 years in words of knowledge, but if he doesn't give you a word of knowledge, it's... <laughs> it's so we have to stop trying to strive so much in our walk with the Lord and just relax and we rest. And here's how we rest. It's not a, a, an act of resting. It's a John 13 resting. It's where, so here's the story. The disciples are at the Last Supper, and Peter and John, they're, they're talking, and Jesus says, someone's going to betray me. And so Peter says, hey, John, to find out who it is. Like, John had a closer relationship than Peter did. So he's trying to get the secrets of the Lord. And so here's the weird thing. John is already laying his head on Jesus' chest at supper. It's always been kind of odd to me. Imagine we all go out to lunch and I'm sitting next to Tom and I lay my head on his chest. <laughs> Hi, Tom. Start twirling his beard or something. Well, wouldn't that be weird? John loved Jesus and Jesus loved John. Sometimes radical love looks really weird. But he got the secret. He found out who it was. Here's what you do when you need a word. You just desperately lean on his chest and hear his heart. And you just pull out the secrets of the Lord. It's all about intimacy. This whole thing is about intimacy with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for intimacy first. And then it's overflow. Don't worry about all the stuff. He'll do the stuff through you. It's really about intimacy. So let's go to the uh, this next slide. Oh, I forgot to turn my timer on here, so I don't know what time we are. Okay, 12 o'clock, we got some time. Here's another myth. You're supposed to have an interpreter for tongues. This is 1% correct and 99% misused. Uh, if you go to 1 Corinthians 14... Now, um, I'm just going to hit a couple of verses here and there. Sometimes it would be fun to just go through each and every one because there's, there's some stuff in here. But um, it's not different languages. It's, it's mysteries, according to 1 Corinthians 14, too. Follow love and desire spiritual gifts. Okay, a couple of things here. Um, and I forgot to bring this up in the previous slide. But when it says spiritual gifts, gifts is not in the Greek. It's only spiritual, right? We just threw gifts in there because we couldn't understand how, how this was working. And the problem is, if you think it's a gift, and sometimes I've got this gift, and sometimes he has this gift, but no, it's all the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts. Administrations, Romans 12 tells us this. Okay, helps, and apostles, the prophets. I'm not talking about that kind of gift. I'm just talking about the expression of the kingdom, fruits, and manifestations, which we talked about. Okay, but verse 2, if you go to verse 2, for he that speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. One of our guys uh, that was an apostle over our church several years ago, the Lord told him to speak out a tongue. 
and he spoke it out. This was in a Spanish-speaking country. He didn't speak Spanish, by the way, so he just spoke out his normal tongue. And he spoke it out, and suddenly out of the back door came two guys saying, hey, we heard this guy call our name. What does he want? Well, they got saved, obviously, because they found out he doesn't speak Spanish. So God often opens the ears of those who have heard our tongue spoken out, and I believe that's what happened in Acts chapter 2. But anyway, regardless... Um, you're not praying, you're not, you're not necessarily picking up a new language like Spanish or German or Dutch or whatever. It's unknown because it's directly to God, all right? So, and I love that we had a tongue today. That was awesome. Yeah, that, right? And so you guys know this stuff, right? But I'm just, from a word perspective, it's important sometimes to have a little more grit to, to you what you're doing, right? So there's a difference between praying in tongues versus speaking out a tongue in a service that needs interpreted. Not interpreting a tongue in the service is equivalent to me sharing a prophecy and getting it wrong. That's the only difference. And most of you know, when you prophesy, most of us get it wrong, some of it, right? 70% right, 30% not so right. Sometimes we totally miss it, and we're not kicked out of the church for that. Yet in some places, you know, where there's gossip going on and, you know, all kinds of other things, but we don't allow tongues because somebody might not interpret. You know, it's like this high standard pedestal. And so anyway, thank God it's not here, right? But um, so they just, they just need understanding on some of that stuff. Corinth had some extremes going on. Five or six would stand up, speak out a tongue. And Paul's saying, look, you know, thank God you all speak with tongues, but I'd rather you spoke five words in English than everybody start speaking in tongues because we're not getting edified here. And the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is always to edify others. The only one that's really for you, interestingly enough, is speaking in tongues. And we'll see that here in just a little bit. Um, All right, so let's go to verse, so we're going to skip around on a couple of these. Verse 20, where am I here? What did I say? 1 Corinthians 14, okay, sorry. verse, Verse 23, look at this. We'll jump to 22 in a second. If therefore the whole church be come together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say you are all mad? But if all prophesy and there comes in one that believes not or unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, thus the secrets of his heart are made manifest and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. All right, so... um, now that's not the ver- there's a verse that says tongues are a sign. Did I just read that? Oh, okay, yeah, verse 22. Okay, yeah, right. All right, so the reason I, I'll get to that one in a second. So here's the thing. So the, the, the word says that you're going to be mad. People are going to think you're crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, th- here's the point, is that mad is good. And here's why. So John chapter 10, verse 20, they called Jesus a madman. Same word used for those that were speaking in tongues in church. Those people are crazy. Now Jesus is crazy. He casts out demons. You know, he's doing it by Beelzebub, right? They think you've got a wrong spirit or something. It's a sign, folks. It's supposed to be weird. It's supposed to capture, it's supposed to make people wonder what the heck is going on. When I heard it, I was like, man, I want that. I, was, I didn't have church doctrine to back, you know, to stop me from, oh, that could be the devil or that could be a weird, you know, condolene, whatever. 
I, I just didn't have that kind of training to stop me from receiving what was of God. And we'll talk about another verse that will help you get over that hump as well. So, um, so another one, Rhoda. Remember when Rhoda saw Peter being released from prison? He said, Rhoda's mad. She's crazy. Then another one is the Apostle Paul was called that twice in the book of Acts. So that's good company to be in. If you want to call me mad, I'll, I'll take that. All right. Um, verse 24. Okay, so I want to read this. Verse 22. Um, it says, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to those which believe, but to those which believe not. But prophesying is served not up for those that believe not, but for them which believe. King James and other versions make this a little weird to understand. So let me just read my kind of, and you can test me on this, but tongues are spoken by believers, are assigned to unbelievers. But prophecy is not given by those who aren't believers, but prophecy is served up from those who believe. That's really the way it should be worded because it makes it sound like prophecy is not for unbelievers. But we're supposed to give prophecy to unbelievers. And we know this because verse 24 and 25 says they're going to fall down and worship God because the secrets of their heart are revealed. Why do you think we push prophecy and words of knowledge so much? Because an unsuspecting believer is going to hear something in English that's going to knock them off their socks, basically. Knock them out, you know. So they, they need that. Um, and then the last, uh, see, verse 26, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, uh, you know, let it be two or three, you know, don't get crazy and out of order. We steward things up here, right? So, um, so you know, it's just, just a little bit of instruction he's giving them. And if, you know, if you get a tongue, pray that you get an interpretation. Not a translation, but interpretation. There's no word-for-word -word translation, right? Uh, and then verse 39, the last one here. It says, Therefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. So he says, covet to prophesy because that's what they were lacking. Forbid not to speak in tongues because that's what they were abusing. But he says, keep doing it so it's grace. Keep getting it right, guys. Keep trying. You're on the right track. So keep trying. That's what we do. You know, in revival culture, we clean messes up. You get spoken to about things. Just, you just learn, right? We're all learning. We're all really novices, actually. <laughs> If you ever think you're an ex, if you ever think you're a professional at this, then you're, you're going to stop what God can do. So, all right. So let's go to the next slide. Be um, yeah. And so I'm not going to go through all these. I'm going to send this to Alger. Maybe he can send it out you know, either in email or in um, Facebook. But this just lists several verses that that actually tell you what you know what why pray in tongues. What's the point? And so this is several verses that talk about it, you know, spiritual refreshing, building yourself up. And so I'll let you read those verses on your own. But there's one verse that I want to point out. It's 1 Corinthians 14, 2. It says, He that speaks uh, in tongues does not speak unto men, but unto God. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So um, I didn't give a slide for this one. Okay. Mysteries is from the derivative of muo, which means to shut the mouth. It's a hidden secret thing. James 3 says that no man can tame the tongue. So God in his wisdom manifests the baptism of the Holy Spirit through our tongue, interestingly. And so in this sense, God shuts out the human mouth, the human prayers and reasonings, 
so that man doesn't know what's being prayed when he speaks in tongues, okay? But guess what? Neither does the devil. And this is important. In every warfare, there's the, the army or whoever uses coding so that the enemy doesn't know what's going on. In Germany, we figured out the Enigma machine, and they didn't know it. So we were ahead of the game, knowing what they were going to do in advance. Same thing with Japan. We knew they were coming to Midway, uh, and it was still a you know, bad battle, but we knew they were coming. When you pray in the Spirit, the devil doesn't know what's going on. And sometimes we need to put down the English prayers and just pray in the Spirit because God has secrets that He needs to reveal to His angels. If I speak of tongues of men and of angels, right? So that they can coordinate what's going on and the enemy has no idea. And suddenly, bam, because He wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory had He known. So it was masked from Him. And so, Holy Spirit on earth, praying through you perfectly up to God in heaven so that they can coordinate yeah, we've got to dispatch this angel and do this and do that and so on and so forth. So that's pretty cool. It's praying a perfect prayer. <sighs> All right, last, uh, we're getting ready to land the plane here. Last, next slide. How to receive the Holy Spirit initially. <clears throat> First of all, you just relax. There's no pressure to perform. There's no pressure to make things happen. When I got hands laid on me, it was later that night that I spoke in tongues. But now here's the deal. In the same way that you have to be intentional about getting a word from Jesus by leaning into his chest, it's up to you to go after it. He will not... He'll put pressure. Thank you. (laughs) I was going to say he never forces you. Eh, Well, he he rarely makes you do what you don't want to do, okay? But usually the the, the yielded vessels sometimes experience that more so than those that are just hard-nosed against God. Okay. So, um, so... Yeah, but, you know, you have to go for it. And then Luke uh, 5 through 13, 11, 5 to 13, you basically ask and receive. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's verse 13. Verses 5, it says, if you ask the Father for bread, is He going to give you a scorpion or a serpent? No. You're not going to get the wrong spirit if you ask for the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. So that false teaching, just shoot it and kill it. You're not going to get the wrong spirit, okay? We, we, you know, God's just, yeah, that's right. Right source is all you got to worry about, and it's in Jesus' name. Um, next thing, open your mouth and drink in. The spirit is referred to as water, as breath, as the ruach of God, as we've been hearing. Um, John seven thirty seven to 39, you can just jot that one down. You don't have to have a special feeling for this either. You may or may not feel something, but you just... You just release, uh, you know, and then, so that's the next one. Yield your tongue and your voice to God and just let whatever come out comes out. Whenever Jesus healed somebody, he told them to do something. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Go show yourselves to the priest. Stretch forth your hand. He did things uncomfortable to get them to test their faith. And sometimes we just have to ah, just release our voice to God. If you don't have breakthrough in this, I guarantee you God wants you to have it. 